Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Babies. A miracle of modern science (laughs) and caveman science, really, because every species has a baby since the beginning of time. Otherwise, there wouldn't be anyone left. But what happens when babies get weird? This is a baby-themed episode. First off, what would you do if your child uttered a secret code that only you were supposed to know? And then... We travel to a maternity ward to take a look at a brand new baby, little baby, just being born. This new mother was so excited to finally have a baby of her own. But it turns out something darker also wanted a piece of that child. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day, too. I hope you guys are having tons of fun out there in the summer sun. I actually have a little bit of a touch of the flu. You're like, Jason, are you sure it's not COVID? People normally don't get the flu in July. Well, I don't know what it is. I'm just sweating a lot. My stomach hurts and I have a headache. (laughs) And my joints, my joints hurt. But someone who always makes me feel better, my own private nurse walking into Dead Rabbit Command right now. Everyone give it up. For sustained disgust. Woohoo! Yeah, we walking on in. It's like a garbage pail kid. Nurse. Uh, the name disgust obviously makes me think like there's like banana peels falling off. But I will assume, I will assume he's not actually a garbage pail kid in real life. The reason why sustained disgust is gonna be our captain or pilot this episode. I was talking to this dude over the weekend. He has created probably no exaggeration. The best conspiracy theory iceberg I've seen since the originals. 400 entries of things I've never heard of. And I spend all day long reading this stuff. And not only is it a bunch of stuff I've never heard of. Let's wait till this car goes by. Not only is it a bunch of stuff that I've never heard of. And I, like I said, research this stuff all the time. He's provided links. This is something that the modern icebergs need to do. Because he's been researching it for years. He compiled this iceberg. And you can click on the iceberg and you can read where he got his information. It's fantastic. It's awesome. I'm going to go ahead and put it in the show notes. We're going to be covering a lot of stuff off of this iceberg. Off of Sustained Disgusts iceberg going forward. Because like I said, there is a ton of stuff I've never seen. So what an achievement. I really am really, really impressed by it. So sustained disgust, you're going to go ahead and be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the show financially, if you guys can't create, if you guys can't spend years building a giant iceberg, that's okay too. Just help spread the word about Dead Rabbit Radio. That helps out so much. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell everyone you know. Dead Rabbit Radio is your favorite paranormal show. Sustained disgust, I don't know if I can keep saying that. Am I going to like nickname you sustained or SD? Well, I guess I'm kind of committed to it at this point. Sustained disgust. Let's go ahead and start off by tossing you the keys to the Jason Jalopy. We're going to leave behind Dead Rabbit Command 
Drive us all the way out to a house in the suburbs. We're pulling up outside this house. It's June 2023, and we're about to meet this family. We don't have their real names. We're going to go ahead and call the dad Billy, the mom Tracy, and the baby's just a little baby person. We're not going to give him a name. Just going to call him baby. We're just going to call him baby, like that chick from Dirty Dancing. So you have Billy, Tracy, and baby. Now, technically, he's not a baby. He's two years old. He's far out of baby. You're like, what? It's even more confusing. Just call him baby. It just will make sense, okay? He's a two-year-old named <laughs> baby. You know what's funny? Is I wanted this episode to be a little more serious after yesterday's episode that went completely off the rails. Like, I haven't even edited it yet. And I have no idea how bad that episode sounds. I just... (sighs) Anyways, so I was hoping this one would be a little more serious. But instead we have Billy, Tracy, and baby. Two-year-old baby. Living in this house. It's a bilingual home. Billy and Tracy, they both speak English and Spanish. So baby's pulling double duty, right? He's trying to learn two languages at once. And he's having a hard time learning to speak just all around. Like, at this point, the parents, they're like, he's, he's, he's not an idiot. But some kids take longer to speak. Baby, he's two years old. He's having a hard time learning language to begin with. It's a bilingual household, so he's trying to learn two languages. And because of this, when he says a new word, the parents get really excited about it because they want to, like, give him positive reinforcement. They're like, what? Yay, you said eggs. You said all this stuff, right? Yay, they throw him a party each time he's super obese. He's like this big fat baby. He gets a full ice cream cake from Dairy Queen every time he learns a new word. His next word is stop or diabetes. They celebrate it every time he says a new word. He's trying to learn two different languages at the same time. So we're at home. It's this morning in June 2023. Very, very recent story. Billy, Tracy are sitting at the kitchen table while they're feeding baby. He's eating it up. His leftover ice cream cake. He's like, I don't want to learn any new words. I'm going to die. He's, they're feeding him and he's kind of jibber jabbering, right? He's just kind of like saying nonsense, but with like a little bit of word here and there. And Billy's kind of half paying attention, right? This would get old after a while. The first time you brought the baby home, you're like, dude, this is awesome. This is like way cooler than like an Xbox. Because it's like, I can make I can make it do chores. He's imagining all the slave tasks he's going to make his baby do. And then when he's 16, I'll never have to mow the lawn again. But after a while, you're like, this is lame. It's just baby. <laughs> I'll sit there. You use him as an ottoman. Your feet are on his back as you're playing the Xbox. You're like, I don't know why I ever turned my back on you, Xbox. You're way better than this baby. <laughs> Named baby. So anyways, Billy's kind of half paying attention to what's going on. Tracy's feeding the baby. And the baby's kind of talking. And all of a sudden, Tracy goes, oh, my God, is that a new word? I think you just said a new word in English. I think you have a new English word. But Tracy can't really make sense of what he said because it was this short phrase. It was the short phrase that baby uttered. And Billy kind of looks over when Tracy was like, oh, my God, he said a new word. He said a new word in English. I don't understand what the context was. But and Billy goes, what did he say? And Tracy said this. He said a Spanish word, and then he said an English word, which is a new word he's never said before, and then he said, like, this made-up word, this goofy made-up word, 
So he spoke a word in Spanish, spoke a word in English, and then some made-up word. And she's telling Billy this while she's feeding the baby. And she realizes that Billy has gone completely still. And she looks over at Billy and she goes, What's the matter? And Billy goes, What did... What what did baby say again? Tell me what the words he said in the order. And she goes, he said a word in Spanish. Now, we do not know the words that were actually spoken. That's why I'm leaving those vague. Because this is a really weird story. The guy, Billy, who wrote this, he would not tell us what the words that were actually said. Tracy goes, Billy, he said a word in Spanish, a word in English, and then some nonsense word. Gibberish, really. He spoke a gibberish. And Billy's freaking out. Billy doesn't even know how to deal with this. Billy said later when he was posting this online, he goes, whenever I heard of the word paranoid before, I always thought of it as a minor convenience, like a minor inconvenience, like you're in bed and you don't know if you locked your front door, so you get up out of bed and you check the doors and they're locked and you go back to bed. He goes, now I understand what paranoia is. It's crippling. It's you, you don't know how to process information. It's not a minor inconvenience. Billy tells his wife this story. When he was a kid, around the age of 11, he fell in love with science fiction novels. And he began a lifelong journey of just devouring science fiction and fantasy. He's reading these books. He loves this genre. Specifically, he had an affinity towards time travel stories. And he would get lost in the pages of these novels. And of course, like a lot of avid readers do, they begin to imagine themselves in the situation, in those universes, in those worlds. What would happen if I did that? And Billy was no exception. He would daydream about the books that he read, the stories, all of these things. And he said... When I was younger, at some point, I came up with a idea that if time travel is possible, and I had the opportunity to time travel, I was going to travel back or forth in time to meet myself, I would want a code. A code that only I knew. So I could prove to my past or future self that I was the real deal. That we were the same person. And the code I came up with as a child was three words. I'm a native Spanish speaker, so the first word I selected was Spanish. The second word I chose was in English. And the last word was a made-up word. He goes, it's a word that cannot be mistaken for anything. It's truly is gibberish. His username, because he compared it, he goes, it's like my, my username. His username is Frustarlala. You couldn't accidentally say a word like that. 
I want it to be a one-of-a-kind phrase, a word in Spanish, a word in English, and then a made-up word that can never be mistaken for any other word. I would never accidentally hear it. The only person who would tell it to me is my past or future self. But here I am, sitting at this kitchen table in the year 2023, as my two-year-old son uttered the time travel code. That's super weird. It's a super weird story. And there's a bunch of different ways we can go off of this. It was interesting because... When Billy wrote this, he goes, I never told anyone about this. Honestly, I find the whole thing really embarrassing. Not the baby saying the code thing. He goes, but having the code in the first place, how cringy is that? Like, you're 14 years old and you're like, someday I'm going to time travel around, so I have to give a code. Like, you think, too, if future Jason came back to talk to me, I would go, oh, you, you look exactly like me, just older, and uh, I'm going to just assume that you are me, plus you have on a spacesuit. A little time travel device and a talking squirrel as a friend. I'm going to assume that you're me. The idea of having the code, it is something that... It is a little... I mean, it's not cringy. I won't say it's necessarily cringy. I mean, it might have proved the fact that time travel exists. This baby... Well, here's a, here's the thing, right? So he does think it's kind of cringy. He's embarrassed to even have to tell the story to his wife, let alone to post it online. But here's the interesting thing. How does the baby know it? He, and he, this is the thing where he goes, I, I feel paranoid because if it was just like a Spanish and English and a French word, there would be a, always a chance that that phrase would be uttered by somebody under some circumstance. But the made up word is what is really throwing him off and being used in that sequence in his household by his baby. And he's not offering any theories on it. He doesn't know what this means. People who responded to this, they said, oh, you know, it's a pretty cool story. And he responds, he goes, yeah, from an outsider's point of view, it's probably a cool story. Like, you're telling it on a podcast, the idea of time travel. He goes, it's not cool for me. I'm living this, and I don't know what it means. Is my baby a future me? Like, that's the... (laughs) Imagine that right there. That's a weird power dynamic. You don't want to spank yourself, especially yourself from the future. You're like, go to your room. And then the baby's like building some sci-fi weapon in there. And it's you. So he knows what hurts you the most. You're like, oh, no, my ankles. Ah, I don't know why your ankles are exceptionally tender. But anyways, how do you how do you punish yourself? He spanks the baby and then he feels it in the future. Ah, my butt. Who knows? He see this thing. It's not a laughing matter to him. He's slowly losing his mind. Is it a coincidence? That would be the first thing, right? It'd be a super weird coincidence to say that phrase, especially with the made-up word. Is the baby a time traveler? Is the baby him from the future? Did a time traveling version of himself give the message to the baby? The baby who can barely talk in the first place. Is it, you know, here's the most, listen, the most likely scenario I'll say is a combination of a skeptical scenario and a sci-fi scenario. I don't think the baby uttered it on accident. I think the baby said the phrase on purpose, but not because he's a time traveler, but because of how like the universes intersect. 
he could, you think about it, this is kind of what I'm saying. If it's a word that his father could come up with, then technically it's a word that his own child may come up with, right? Right? You're like, what? If I came up with a funny joke, isn't it more likely that my dumb brother would come up with the same joke? <laughs> the way he tells it isn't as funny. He's not as funny as I am. Because it's like galactic universal memories, like connecting, maybe? I don't know. Actually, <laughs> that sounds dumber than all those other theories. What I'm saying is maybe it is a bit of a coincidence with a bit of metaphysics thrown in there. Maybe baby's a time traveler. I don't know. And he doesn't know how to deal with it. That's the thing. This is one of those stories, and I love these type of stories, that they don't fit into a neat paranormal box. It's not a ghost. It's not a demon. Multidimensional, maybe? Time travel. We don't cover a lot of time travel stories on this show. We have once or twice. Most of the times it's interdimensional stuff or time loss. But it's interesting, and I hope... That he's nice to this baby. He seems like an affable chap from the one post I read. I was like, oh, he'll be a good dad. He'll be a better dad than I will, trying to use my baby as a footstool. But what would you do if you thought your baby was you from the future? That's really the key point. You'd probably go a little bit softer on him, right? You wouldn't want to, like, be mean to him because he's you. He's not just your kid. He's you. But then if he's you from the future, maybe you want to push him a little harder. So you're like, if he's not real, he's not really doing good in science class, you're like, son, you really got to get those straight A's. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to build that time machine. He's like, what? Come on, dad, I got enough pressure on me already. You're saying I'm you from the future? You know, here's a test. Billy can take a hot fork, just, you know, get it nice and hot, and then burn his hand. Ah! <laughs> And then if the baby gets a scar, then you know. All you needed to do was brutally mutilate yourself. I guess there's probably an easier way to do that. You didn't have to. You could get a tattoo. Get a tattoo on your arm that shows a baby going through a time portal. And then if that same tattoo shows up on the baby, I mean, these are all legitimate ways to find out the truth. But who knows? Maybe it's, I don't know. I don't know. It's a weird story. And it would freak you out. I think there's two layers to this. One, what is the baby? And then two, how would you mentally prepare yourself for the fact that your baby might be you from the future? <laughs> it's weird. Because it would change that dynamic. But speaking of babies, speaking of babies, this is a baby-themed episode. We're going to take a look at another story that also makes you wonder, what would you do? What, what would you do? These are complicated baby situations. So, and this one, I think, is even more chilling than the time-traveling baby. Because that would be cool, right? Because then once the baby does learn how to talk, you can be like, what's the future like, son? And he's like, you won't believe it. There's, like, cities. It's <laughs> like, there's cities now, you dolt. No, 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 no. Like, science fiction cities. And there's time-travel machines everywhere. And they haven't worked out all the kinks. So if you are an old man and you go into a time machine, not only do you go back in time... But you turn into a baby and go inside a woman's womb. You're like, what? You're like, yes, I was actually... Now that I think about it, that baby would have not only had to time travel, but time travel into mom's stomach. It would have to time travel back as a little tiny, little tiny guy banging around in mom's stomach, hanging out in the womb, and then being like, oh, now I just have to wait nine months to lose all my memories, all my... Future cures for diseases, all of the knowledge of the future. So I'm going to take a long nap in here. 
Mm. And then he comes out just a normal dumb baby who can barely speak in the first place. So it's an interesting, I don't know, time travel? Is it a thing? Well, this next story is going to make you go, you may go, I don't believe in time travel. Well, this next story is for you then. This next story is for you because even if you don't believe in time travel, this may scare you from ever having a baby. Or maybe not. Maybe maybe this story will make you want to have more babies. Sustained disgust. I'm going to go ahead and toss you the keys to the Carpenter Copter. We are leaving behind this house in the suburbs. Fly us all the way out to a maternity ward. If you think about it, there's something inherently is spooky about babies. They're, they don't move much. They just kind of lay on their back. And their arms and their legs are like kicking at nothing. They can't hold up the weight of their own head. They got big old baby brains. And you can constantly like step on them or leave them in cars. <laughs> oh, Jason, the first one was kind of funny, but the second one, it's quite grim. Babies, they can't do nothing for themselves. The second you go, you know what, baby? I think you're safe. It's on top of, it's on top of the kitchen counter trying to get a cookie jar. You're like, ah, I saw this worked out in a Roger Rabbit cartoon. I think you'll be okay. I'm going to go to sleep. I don't think you could ever sleep with a baby around. You'd always be worried that he'd be, you know, like getting into trouble or falling 50 feet to his death. I think I, I, I they, they scare me. Babies scare me, inherently scare me. But what if, like, if I found out my baby was a time traveler, and especially me from the future, I'd want to, like, teach him how to learn really quickly so I could learn more about the future. <laughs> talk, baby, talk. But this one, I think I'd be, I don't know if I'd even want to hang out with my baby. I might just leave this kid in the hospital after this story. Let's take a look at this one. We're at this maternity ward, and we're going to meet... A mom. We don't have real names for these stories. We rarely do. But we're going to meet a new mom. We're going to call her Sally. And then she just gave birth to a little baby. We're going to call him Miles. Sally is the mom and Miles is this little baby. And like she, like I say, Jess gave birth. It's been a couple hours. Sally's in the hospital room and she gave birth and she's staying overnight. And in the same room, but in a separate bed across the room, like one of those little baby beds that has like the glass over the top, probably. Isn't that how they put babies, like when a baby's born and they're like at the hospital and they're like, it's time to go sleep. Don't they put them in like a bed, but isn't there like a glass dome? <laughs> You're like, Jason, no, no, it's like a normal bed. If it was a glass dome, how would people reach in and tickle their tummy? I, I've not been to a maternity ward. I've never went into a place and saw like row after row of baby. But okay, so maybe there isn't a glass. <laughs> Actually, for this story to work, there isn't a glass dome wouldn't make sense. So he's just laying in another bed. A baby that's just born is sleeping in a bed across the room. No way would I allow that. I'd be like, get back. <laughs> You're all pushing the baby back into your womb. You're like, You'll be warm and safe here for just one more night. Baby's like, what? This is, this is terrifying. Ripping out stitches. You have the baby across the room in his little baby bed. And Sally's sleeping in her hospital bed. Well, trying to sleep, right? It'd probably be kind of hard to sleep. You just got ripped open. Something that had been inside you for nine months is now missing. That would totally feel weird, right? Imagine if all of a sudden you lost 10 pounds in three hours. And something was like kicking you for the past couple months. And now... 
It's sitting across the room. <laughs> You're like, Ambo, you kicked me for three months, son. You get ready. I'm going to be kicking you for three months, too. Baby's like, what? Anyways, she's laying there in, in bed. She's trying to sleep, but she can't. And then she starts to smell something really, really weird. She has no idea what this smell is, where it could be coming from. But it's just overwhelming. And as she's trying to figure out where the smell is coming from, all of a sudden, she sees this giant monster start to crawl out from underneath her hospital bed. And it stands up. And it's, I mean, this is the last thing you expect it to see anywhere, let alone in a hospital. (laughs) I mean, I don't know why it would be weirder in a hospital than anywhere else, but she sees this giant monster and she describes it as it's sort of hairy. It's not covered in hair like Sully from Monsters, Inc. Was that the blue guy? I never saw that movie. It's sort of hairy. So I don't mean, I don't know if that means just like short hair or if it's patchy. If he has like patchy hair. It's a huge green gray monster that's sort of hairy. You're like, Jason, what does that mean? I don't know either. I'm just imagining like short hair. Like puppy hair. A huge green gray monster with big horns sticking out of his head. A huge mouth. He didn't make any noise. (laughs) He didn't make that spooky noise. You're like, ah. You're like, wait, what? He didn't do that? He just opened his mouth? I don't know if he opened his mouth. Maybe she maybe he was just looking, he looked like he had a big mouth. A big green gray monster with big horns jutting out of its head, a huge mouth, large yellow eyes, and it's now standing in the hospital room. What are you gonna do if you're in hospital room and a giant monster crawls out from underneath your bed? You're gonna start screaming for help obviously. Help, help, everyone! Come in here! Come in here! And she grabs the emergency button in the hospital. They have those buttons that have the wire going to the wall. You go click, click, click. Click, 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 click. And it alerts the nurse's station that there's an emergency. She's pressing down on the button. Click, 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 click. Help me! Help me! Click, click, click. There's a... There's a... Something in here. Come and look. I can't even describe it. It's sort of hairy. They're like, what? And while she's doing this, The creature's pretty much just ignoring her. He walks over to the little tiny crib, the little tiny bed that is holding baby Miles. The monster gently scoops Miles up in its big arms and turns back towards Sally. Sally's continuing to hit the button as she's screaming for help. The beast from beneath the bed that's holding Miles walks over to Sally and leans down and growls into her ear. And Sally goes, it wasn't a, like, mean growl. It wasn't even an animalistic growl. If anything, it sounded like he was trying to tell me something in a language. It was a growl with meaning, with intent. But I... If you ask me exactly what he said, I couldn't tell you. But when he growled that message into my ear, I had the overwhelming feeling that what he was telling me was 
He was taking Miles away with him. At that point, the beast then reached over and held Sally's hand, the hand that was pressing down the security button and the emergency button. He just kind of put his paw over her hand and then, again, very gently took the emergency button out of her hand and and set it down on the bedside table. And Sally's just... She doesn't know what to do. She says this be just his essence. It wasn't just his physicality, because obviously it's his giant monster. There's no way you could physically overpower it, but he just emanated so much raw power, both physically and spiritually, whatever this thing was. There was no way to resist this. There was no way for her to fight back against what this creature wanted to do. And so she just watched as the beast held Miles in its arms, walked back over to the baby bed, and gently placed Miles back on top of the covers. Do they have covers in the baby bed? And gently placed Miles down on the mattress. The beast then turned, began walking back towards Sally, got on all fours, and crawled back underneath her bed. The second this thing is gone, Sally's confusion and the overwhelming sense of powerlessness is gone. She immediately begins screaming again at the top of her lungs. She grabs the emergency button, click, 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 click. She's screaming, and a bunch of nurses run in. They're like, what What happened? What's going on? Why are you screaming? Why are you hitting the button? Is everything okay? And she asks, one of the first things Sally asks, because again, this isn't a, you're not going to be like, well, I, one of the first things Sally asks is, what took you so long? I was screaming and hitting this button for a while and you guys never came in and they, the nurses said, we did not hear anything. We didn't hear anything at all. The emergency button light was not going off at our nurse's station. We heard you this time. We came in. What's the matter? Now, it's interesting because the person who posted this story online is Miles growing up. He said, listen, back when, 18 years ago is when this happened. He's 18 now. Posting online by the name Zealous Deal Mine 761 He goes, my mom tells this story a lot. She's told it to other members of the family. She's told it to friends. It's definitely something that stuck with her. And every time she tells it, people laugh. And she laughs too. But Miles said, I think it's something she's learned to laugh at. Because it's almost like every time she tells the story, he can see the pain in her eyes. He can see how terrified she was in this moment. And when she's telling the story to people... They laugh, they think it's funny, because obviously it's not true, and she has learned to laugh with him, but Miles goes, every time I'm there when she tells the story, I can see how traumatic this story was to her. And over the years, a lot of people have told her it was just a dream. 
due to the stress of the day, due to any medication she was on, just due to the bizarre nature of dreams to begin with. But most people she tells the story to will dismiss it as a dream. And on the one hand, Sally agrees with them. She does think, well, it has to be a dream. Monsters aren't real, right? That just, it doesn't make sense. But on the other hand, Sally has said, and I think this goes for most of us if you think about it, Sally goes, it could have been a dream, but I have never, ever smelled anything in a dream before. And I haven't smelt anything in a dream since. Interesting story when you think about it, when I read that line, never smelled anything in a dream. Yeah, I can't remember ever smelling anything in a dream. I know when I'm dreaming because in real life I feel the air pressure on my skin all the time. All the time. My skin is super sensitive to clothing and air pressure and all of that stuff. That's how I'll associate memories to. I remember back when I was in Sacramento, I'll remember the way the atmosphere the the it's not the wind it's just the way that the climate sat on my skin and i assumed i thought everyone did that <laughs> not everyone did that and i've learned that's not super common so in my dreams i know i'm dreaming because my subconscious mind has not been able to replicate that level of detail i can tell i'm dreaming because i don't feel that constant pressure on every inch of my skin at all times and I've never smelled anything in a dream either that, that I can remember. I've been woken up by smells that were so bad. <laughs> woke me up, but it didn't go into my dream. So this is that type of story, right? Where you could, I mean, honestly, the logical explanation was the stress of pushing out 10 pounds of human being through your body, causing severe, severe uh, injuries <laughs> to most of the lower form, most of your lower half. And then going to sleep, <laughs> you're like, oh, time, time to hit the hay. Time to hit little pillows. Doctors are still stitching you up. You're like, ah, oh, no, I'm good. I'm going to go sleep mid-stitch. A lot of stress. A lot of stress. Probably a lot of relief, too. It's finally done. Plus, any pills or drugs or whatever they gave you that day, you're probably going to have a pretty weird night cycle. I'm sure if she told the nurses... They would have been like, honey, you're just dreaming. <laughs> As they look at each other, they're like, uh-oh, the birthing beast is back. We're just dreaming, honey. We've been through a lot. That would be the logical explanation, right? That she was just dreaming. And you go, well, Jason, obviously she was just dreaming because the creature said, I'm going to take your son. But she put he put the baby back in the crib. Like, if the baby had been kidnapped if the baby had disappeared <laughs> then i might believe you you're like well i don't know it could be the giant monster who said he was going to kidnap the child and then kidnap the child but it could also have just been all a dream so it had to have been a dream because what the monster said didn't come true but the key thing is one she doesn't know exactly what the monster said to her she just got the impression that it wanted to take her son and two it didn't say when. You know, and this is where I would be paranoid as a parent if I thought that at any point 
fucking monster was going to show up and take my kid. Like, would you ever feel comfortable? I didn't know I could do anything. Hey, Dad, can I go to school? I heard school's really cool. I heard it's awesome. And I'm well, first off, you're wrong. School's lame. Secondly, um, you know, we're just going to keep doing this homeschooling thing because <laughs> you look outside, you're like, check to see if there's any monsters. Well, just because, Miles. Just because. Hey, Dad, how come we have to sleep in these sleeping bags? Why do we just have these sleeping bags? The other kids in my neighborhood have beds that have, you know, like, bed frames and stuff like that. I'm like, well, son, the other kids around here, they get to sleep in beds because they're not cool. They're cool enough to go to school, even though school's not cool. But they're not cool enough to sleep in a sleeping bag. <laughs> Miles is like, oh, my back. I've been sleeping in a sleeping bag for eight years. I was like, well... Nothing can crawl out from underneath a sleeping bag. And Miles is like, what? I'm like, son, just just deal with it. Go to sleep. You never would let him leave your sight. You'd be so scared for your son to go over on a like a sleepover or a camp out or the prom. Because at any point, this monster could show up and steal your kid. At any point. It doesn't specifically say I'm going to take your kid right now. Just that it was going to take Miles with him. And I think you could you could do one of two things. You could either dismiss it all as a, all as a dream. That would be the safest way to deal with it mentally. Or for the rest of your life, you would be worried at any point Miles would go missing. That something dark and powerful would steal him away. Which in a way is a metaphor for like just life itself, right? At any point, the person you love the most could be taken away from you. And then you're just left. Like a man holding a candle in a dark room and someone just blows it out. That was the only light you had in the world. And now you got to figure your way through this dark room by yourself. You have to navigate your way through this room to find more light. Or to make your own light. (laughs) Okay, maybe the analogy... I was trying to make it a little less depressing. You're like, wow, dude, that's super depressing. My girlfriend just broke up with me. What I'm saying is that it could just be a metaphor for life, right? This creature is preparing her for this thing that at some point you will lose Miles. At some point, at any point, Miles, something may happen to him and you may lose him. And that's a metaphor for, I think, everybody who whenever we find somebody or somebody finds us, you realize in the back of your mind at any given moment, this could be completely over. But in this case, it may not be a metaphor. It may be an actual monster that is very calmly but firmly letting Sally know Miles belongs to him. She can believe whatever she wants. But if the truth is that there was a monster underneath the bed, and if there was a truth that this monster said that Miles belonged to him and he will take him, you would wonder in the back of your head all the time, is today the monster returns to steal my child. And now that Miles is 18, you might be going, that's definitely a dream. 18 years and no monster. No monster ever came out and got my son. And now he's off to college. <laughs> he's off to college. It's Monster University. She's like, no! She sees Sully pull up, and that eyeball dude is sitting in the back seat. goes, hey, I'm Billy Crystal. And then Miles is like, I'm off to school with my new roommates, these, these, big, <laughs> these big old freaks. 
Sally's like, no, no, that's a monster university. I thought you got into Harvard. He's like, oh, uh, one of the one of the two. You would have to wonder at every single point if the monster was going to pop out from underneath that bed and steal your son. Like, even after your kid turned 18, even after your kid went to college, met a girl, got married, had a couple babies of their own. Right? You would always wonder, is today the day the monster is going to get my son? It's a creepy story, because really, if you think about it, at any given point, you would think that this thing could come for your kid. And I think it it could, listen, it could be a dream. And I think it's probably better for Sally's mental health that she thinks it's a dream. But that doesn't mean it's a dream. It could have been real. This creature could have been warning her. Not even warning her, just letting her know the facts that it would take her son. And the fact that it put it, put the baby back down in the little bassinet, is that what they're called? Little baby bed? She may have breathed a sigh of relief. Little does she know, at some point, this monster will show up to claim its prize. And there's nothing she can do about it. It may not have happened when he was a baby. It may not have even happened when he was 18 years old. But any day now, Miles may simply disappear. And it'll be a weird true crime story. The police will investigate it. Obviously, suspects will be listed. Clues will be found, but nothing definitive. No one will ever truly know where Miles went. Nobody but Sally. She knows where he went. She's just too scared to utter the phrase out loud. The only thing we can hope for is that this story began and ended with Miles. That there weren't others before him. And there won't be others after him. That's what we can hope for. But every minute of every day, new babies are being born into this world. And somewhere out there right now, a beast from beneath a mother's bed could be waiting to claim a new sacrifice. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash DeadRabbitRadio. TikTok is at DeadRabbitRadio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.